Hello and welcome to the Coffee Curious Podcast. Conversations inspired by coffee, hosted by me, Maxwell Collins Ashwood. In this episode, I chat to musician Luke Satal Singh. We cover a broad range of topics in this slightly longer than usual episode. Do we even have usual episodes? Anyway, it was an honest, funny chat, and I really enjoyed sitting down with Luke. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast for a coffee-inspired Bob Dylan cover, performed by Luke exclusively for Coffee Curious. So you've jumped on the train from Bristol today to come and mm-hmm. see us at our new roastery in Yate. Very um, nice it is too. Thank you very much. How many guests have you had here so far? Don't I mean, say loads, just say like barely any. And I'm oh, like, you're, you're number three. Cool. Uh, we did a little coffee tasting just before. That was exciting. Which I thought would be fun. Still buzzing. Not from the coffee, just from getting getting my taste buds correct. You're buzzing from being right. From being right and picking them. From uh, having a correctly expensive taste. Yes. Uh, so we tasted, um, uh, Jamie, if you're listening, Jamie will listen to this. Hi, Jamie. Okay. Uh, sent us some samples of very, very expensive Guatemalan coffee. And without fail, the three we like the most were the most expensive. Um, 60, 70... No, 70, 18, 90 pounds a kilo. If you don't have a reference for that, that's a lot of money. Well, I don't have a reference for that, but I assume there was another one that was like 10 or something, so. That's still expensive. 10 so, oh, yeah. So, if you were looking at rather than market prices for coffee, let's talk about specialty coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, like, most like Taylors of Harrogate. Oh dear. Let's stop this <laughs> podcast, educate you a little bit. <laughs> hey, look, actually. Maybe if someone from Taylor's is listening, they do buy some good coffee. Yeah, um, yourself there. I mean, they, uh, they buy some less good stuff too, so a range of stuff. But let's say that um, a typical specialty blend that would be in a third wave cafe, the green coffee going into that is probably five to six pounds a kilo. So that 10, 11 pound one that looked cheap next to the geishas yeah. is actually really expensive. And then the geishas, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And they just break, they have, you have to price them differently. Mm. Uh, but like I was saying downstairs, I still think that's really expensive. I mean, they were Guatemalan geishas, which we've never bought before. Obviously, Panama is the home of geisha these days. Um, and we buy Colombian as well. We've bought Costa Rican. But yeah, I mean, we'll think about it. I think we might. We're straight in. We're straight into coffee geekery there. Boom. <laughs> but you did your first cupping on a stag do. Yes. A stag do that I um, barged into. I wasn't even invited, which was cool. But what was interesting, I remember, and that was quite a long time ago now. Uh, when coupling wasn't cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we, I, I can't remember what the roasters he'd used, but he picked, then he had one, he bought one Starbucks one that morning to bring. Okay. And um, we, we were doing it blind as well. And uh, he was like, at the end, he was like, there was one, one coffee that was from Starbucks, you know. Maybe, you know, which one do you think? And they were, uh, it was so clear, like, even going around it, one of them, Tasted like fish, like looks <laughs> kind of grey and green. I use, I use that flavour note, fish. I, fish. I, get, I get that, yeah. On the really dark roasted coffee. Yeah. For me, they're super like, um, yeah, fishy, yeah. Well, this one was super fishy. Maybe that's what they're going for. And, that, you know, and that's what, and that's what, and everyone picked that coffee, did they? Everyone was like, well, it was just obvious from the get-go that one of these is. Actually, I, can't, I think I, I think I missed it. I think we knew before that one of them was Starbucks, I think before we started but like even just looking at them all it was like grey and oh it was and that was the first time where I kind of really was like yeah definitely definitely Starbucks definitely sucks like I, you know you kind of you kind of know it but like you can't, don't have the fact you don't have the proper yeah. facts there yeah. and it was like okay this is objectively true now 
Well, what's interesting about Starbucks is that they buy some good coffee, so it's an example. It seems of... to be quite diplomatic on the fence. Taylor's are great. No, Starbucks is great. That's I didn't what I'm say, hey. I didn't say they were great. I was just saying, uh, I mean, the Starbucks one's interesting because I don't think Starbucks coffee tastes great, mm. right? But what's interesting to me is to then find out that the green coffee they buy is good green coffee. Right, okay. Yeah, so, so they're, they're ruining. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an example of how. If anyone questions how much of impact roasting has, do that tasting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting to me. Well, you know, you have to well, contextually understand. Uh, <laughs> Covering your ass when Starbucks wants yeah, to buy yeah. or Taylor's want to buy it. I'm playing the long game. Yeah. I mean, you sound like you're a coffee professional, but you're not. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm, a mu- I'm a musician. You're a musician? Songwriter. Is that how you, you describe yourself as a song? So do you write songs for other people? Or just I've got I've, I've got into that. I'm dabbling into it. I like the idea of it because then I can say songwriter. And for some reason, that sounds more interesting than size so another soppy singer songwriter. Okay, just drops a singer there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I don't. I just hate that phrase. Singer songwriter is such a stupid, ugly yeah. kind of. What do you mean? What does, everyone's a singer. What does that even mean? It's not even a genre that you can really point to. But you can. It just means dude with a guitar probably and so just give me a what does your week look like what's your day today oh i haven't really changed or developed my life since i was at university especially so because i went to university to do music so even more which university did you go to well i went to a music college called um the brighton institute of modern music aka bim (laughs) which uh which now has got quite a few different yes. places all over the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, so I, yeah, the days are very, very unstructured. I kind of get up when I want and um, do what I want. <laughs> Try think think about writing a song. Well, but surely the thing about that kind, any sort of vocation like that, is it's nagging in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah always. And and I'm just tick off the procrast donation list first like oh I can't possibly go into the studio I've got a little studio in my in my um, flat and it's like oh, I'll, I'll go in there once I've done uh, you know I've, I've got to make the coffee first like, alright okay. <laughs> that's going to be at least how am I ever going to go on that podcast <laughs> if I don't study coffee exactly. <laughs> that's at least half an hour that I can spend how, and how do you make coffee at home I am a, uh, a filter person, person. Yeah. I've got all the stuff all the, all the, all the, all the gear yeah and no idea, which I thought I had no idea until the cupping today. So now officially oh, so now I've got some kind of idea. Yeah. Big time, big time. You don't know how big this is for me. <laughs> yeah. But on that note, I think I think a lot and the capsules got some colonna capsules because that's how I know you. I know you as a, originally as a customer, right? Well, I've been I've been I actually have been coming to your shop, you to your yeah. cafe, cafe, and un- yeah. an- anonymously, obviously, yeah. <laughs> with my glasses and but I yeah. For a while, I mean, I wish I came more often because it's really not far from Bristol. I mean, I've only lived in Bristol for coming up to three years. Right, okay. I think when I first started getting into coffee, if we're going to go back there. Which was when? Well, it would have been been when I was in Brighton. So, like, I think I was someone who was always, like, thought they liked coffee more than, say, tea, you know? Okay. You chose your hot beverage. Yeah, get the Taylors of Harrogate. Like that was that was that was good coffee. That was like yeah, you like you resonate with the drink. You like maybe you like the process of making a cafetiere yeah. or the lifestyle or the culture of it. Yeah, and then suddenly you go, wow, it tastes amazing. Yeah. So I think small batch. When I was in Brighton, small batch was the first yeah. 
one to open or like it's getting buzzy and I remember there was like a rumour well not rumour but like people taught in my friendship group going oh, have you been to Small Match they have this like crazy sciencey lab coffee thing which was Siphon Brew I think and I was like you got to go there and um, try that but I remember just being taken with it and just like that's cool and then that really liking there was something extra nice about that coffee maybe, maybe it was the whole thing just because it was interesting I don't remember what it was or why I liked it but I liked it and I think that was kind of very first the switch yeah I think that's the thing like you there's only so sort of blown away you can be by the making processes once you yeah. learn about all that that you've kind of done that right? yeah, 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 yeah so then I think the next natural progression is to naturally become more interested in the different coffees and how they taste mm-hmm. and stuff I've just I just like I like caring about stuff like, I don't know that's sort of my thing that seems to have outlasted yeah the novelty, the novelty it can start as a novelty but it's just the idea of being intentional about things and kind of um, you know spending more money on, on less things because you want something really good quality and, and, and you did a you recently did a TED talk yes yes I that's, did. A, that's a big deal <laughs> It is a big deal. It is. I mean, you know, just I'm not belittling TEDx. Sure. Uh, TEDx is sort of the more regional, provincial yeah. TEDs. Wasn't TEDx, man. It's tricky. Cause if you could see his face it's now. So, uh, <laughs> not the most like sh- naturally showy person, or at least like to pretend I'm humble anyway. And um, so, you, oh, but I was telling a few people I was in, like, I was going to do a TED talk. And like their immediate, obviously their immediate thing is, oh cool, yeah. Do you mean, you mean TEDx in, in Bristol? It's like TEDx. Are you, <laughs> are you kidding <laughs> me? What do you take me for? It felt like such an asshole thing to be like, no, not TEDx. The actual TED, the real TEDx, the big yeah. one. But it was the big one, the real one, yeah. the proper one, the amazing one. And, but it was um, pretty cool. Well, so, so I haven't done TED. No. Um, I did. A talk in the coffee world. We had a thing called the Speciality Coffee Symposium, mm-hmm. a bit like the TED of coffee. Yeah. And one of the guys running it, I'm pretty sure his wife or partner has something to do with TED, and they use the same principles, or so they told me. Right. Um, and I remember when they first said to me, "Oh, Maxwell, you know, do you want to come and talk about water?" And this was when the water research was pretty new. Mm-hmm. I'd done my barista chairmanship routine, but it hadn't really filtered out into the coffee industry. I like it. The filter filtered out. See what I did there? Yeah. Trickle filter. <laughs> It, I only exchanged into the coffee industry. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> but he, uh, they said to me, they were like, oh, Max, so, so, and I, I agreed to do it. And they said, great. So we've got a team of four people and they're gonna work with you for you know to create your speech. And I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Mm. I create my own speech. <laughs> do you know who that? <laughs> but no, the thing is, it's something I really care about. Like yeah, I like yeah, yeah. creating a speech and without sounding like a, an a-hole. Um, which it was hard not to at the time, yeah. but I kind of wanted to do it myself, you know. But at the same time, all the people who were involved in that, actually, in hindsight, they were awesome. Yeah. They weren't there to tell me how to speak. Yeah. They were there as a support group to bounce around ideas. And it so transpired that, you know, I liked the idea of a 15 minute talk with a start with a problem, go through a story and mm-hmm. end up somewhere. Yeah. So I was kind of already on board, but but it was just an interesting experience. To, I'd never done a talk before where I had all that support and yeah. going over your script and doing rehearsals and stuff. Uh, is that what TED's like? Well, it is. Well, let me first backtrack and say I didn't <laughs> really do a TED. <laughs> I did a TED. I was booked as a performer, so I was actually um, performing my tunes. Okay. But then with like 
I had basically time to speak within my within my bit. But it was like I had twelve minutes. Like everyone gets twelve minutes. I just had a, I just had twelve minute speaker slot to perform uh, and to do whatever I wanted, you know. Okay. But obviously, don't not play any songs. So I so I had a, a time for two songs and then like a three minute spiel. And they said it's good, you know, it'd be good for you to say something, say you know whatever. And so it wasn't like a full on. I didn't get the treat the same treatment that the TED speakers get, which sure. I know is exactly the same, where they coach heavily coached through the... Yeah, to try, it's a bit like when you, um, it's a bit like, I guess, when you write an article for a magazine or something, or they interview you and they edit it for in-house style. Yeah. It's like, yeah. TED is a approach, right? It's... But I think, I think it is probably, I think it is, as you, as your experience, I think it is quite full on, the, the way they, because the, the lead up, I think they, they work you through it for a long time. I mean, but for me, it was, they did a little bit of that, and, but all it meant was that we had a, had a video Skype session with the, the speaker curation team, and they just asked me. Well, I freaked out about it, which is what I do with everything. It's like, <laughs> what, what do they, what do they want to want to do? And I'm like, my manager's like, calm down, like, it's gonna be fine. So, but so like that, I hadn't really written anything, and then that morning just before, I just wrote the whole thing. Wow. And then read it to them, and they were like, "Yeah, that's great." And that was it. And I was like, oh, "Okay, uh, <laughs> great." Sweating on the other side yeah, of the sky. Like, yeah. It was kind of a waste of time, but it was kind of good because it made me right. I would have probably put off. I'm someone that puts off. You need you need that pressure to yeah yeah. yeah. Um, I think I was told it would be up in the summer or, or the autumn. So it should be should be exciting. We were talking about Kickstarter before. What were we actually talking about? Oh no, fine. Let's talk about that. I just like when we when I have a conversation with people, I'm weird, I'm weird like this. There's like a, if there's a thread that, right. we, that we've missed. Yeah, that we, that you want to make sure. About, Should we do that? Let's do that. We met, it was how we came to know, well, we didn't really know each other, we just met. No, yeah. I just picked I you off the train station. Maybe, maybe we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just a customer. You, you were a customer at the shop. I was a then. difficult customer. That's what, but I never met you at the shop. I was were not. you difficult? You I just had issues with my pods. Oh, yeah, yeah. My capsules. You and the rest of the world, yeah. It's just like, F these capsules, man. No, you were super nice. Um, to be honest, like, with the capsule project, um, which you're a game changer. I'm so like, because for the for the mornings where I just cannot be, I'm so tired. Yeah. I cannot be bothered yeah. to grind some beans and do the whole thing. Yeah. Like, because oh, now my wife started drinking coffee because he she was a bit anti caffeine. Or she just didn't want to drink coffee and things. I thought it was fine, great. I can just have my do my own thing. Yeah. Can make her a tea, easy peasy. And I was just like, no, I want a coffee now. And then I give you, a, give her a capsule. Do that. No, yeah. Like it's nice when we're just both groggy, and it's just like boshing the capsule, get a nice tasting thing. Yeah, sit there and most. No, I think the. I mean, yeah, obviously, obviously, I think they're great. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done it. Uh, but I won't. No, 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 I won't dive, no, I won't divulge into capsule talk. But it's just how you know we've had challenges with compatibility, and we're not the only ones. And we're about to move to a f- new design with a roller grinder, which is like uh, imagine rolling pins. Yeah. And you, there's a couple of them and the coffee goes through, they um, roll against each other. Um, and it creates a really uniform grind. It helps for consistency and we're moving to a full aluminum capsule. It's all really exciting stuff. We're going to get more coffee in the capsule, we're going to get more body, but ultimately we're going to solve this compatibility problem. Yeah. But I think it's amazing how good people have been about it. Right. Because, you know, anyone who's worked in service, or not just anyone full stop, mm-hmm. knows that you know, to look at TripAdvisor or Amazon or, you know, people can be brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I think it's been 
amazing. Obviously, the people who are interested in our coffee and what we do are obviously on side. Yeah. And you know, people try so hard. They're like, so I've had videos and like how-to guides of ways people have figured out to get the capsules to work in their machine. <laughs> they're like, and I found if I double tap, twist, I put it in, I take it out, and then I pop the end with some scissors, and then I do this, I can get it to work. And I'm like, that's great. Like, <laughs> that's, um, and they're like, maybe you could share it with your customers. I'm like, mm, I don't think there's that many people who would be willing to do that in the morning. I don't want to know that that's how to make it work. Either. But in a way, the first sort of year and a half has kind of been, it is a V1. It's a bit like a Kickstarter, really. Which we were talking about. Nice. See how I brought that back? You get at this. But, um, <laughs> no, but it kind of is. And um, I'm excited about version two, which I kind of, I call it a V2, but it's really just what we always wanted it to be. Have you, um, have you looked into, and you, the answer to this is probably no, but what, what's the deal with their new ones, those stupid um, disc ones? I describe them as looking like a golf ball chopped in half. Yeah, or the, um, the sweets, oh, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the sherbet inside. Yeah, like yeah 100%. Yeah, yeah. Nespresso we're talking um, about, if you're listening. <laughs> Clona would like you to buy them. So their new system is called Virtuo. Yeah. Have you seen the video? It's like, I don't know if I, I mean, it's, I it looks super, no, <laughs> it looks super space age. It's, I mean, you've got to give it to them. Technologically. Yes. It's impressive. I had one, so in the hotel that they put me in for Ted, they had, this is where I first saw it. Oh, I had okay. a machine in there with the, cause I bought. Ours, oh, and they don't fit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, I'm not doing Ted. Put me in a different hotel on. now. There's the wrong machine, I'm out. Um, no, well, basically, they developed the Virtuo system for primarily the North American market and the UK market. So in the UK, instant coffee is still the biggest seller. Mm -hmm. And basically, a mug of coffee, you know, yeah. is still what people want. And so... The mugs, that's what the mugs want. Mugs want a mug. Get it? So... <laughs> Some sound effects for our A mug. No, but like when we do a gag. Yeah. Mike can do that. Can he put in like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you hear laughter? that, Mike? Maybe some canned laughter. <laughs> no, but basically it's more coffee. Mm. So the system, what happens is you put it in and the, this sort of half ball disc thing starts spinning. And then when it spins, the, the, the outer disc creates a barcode that tells the machine, Whoa. and it's pretty crazy, right? Um, tells the machine how to brew the, the capsule. That seems like overly engineered, like there'd be such an easier way. So this is what, so when, when it came out, they were like, um, you know, we've evolved the way to make coffee. And you're like, actually, you've just come up with a really a difficult way, way for people project. to copy you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I suppose that's. <laughs> no, because they're an end-to-end -end system. Like Apple, they, they never wanted other people to make the captures like we're doing. Yeah. They seem to be quite open-minded about it now. And they bought, they might be doing Starbucks, so it's all getting a bit messy. Um, you know, and the market's, there's so, the market's so big now for other people doing it. Do you think it. they'll be doing like blue bottle ones or something now that they... So I don't think so because um, personally, I, I think it's very easy to look at a big corporation, whether it's Unilever, Nestle or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. And assume that it's this big animal. And I don't know all the inner workings, mm -hmm. but I know some people who are involved and I know people who have worked with different Nestle owned companies. Yes. And there's... Just oh, just no. on their own independent well, in fact, not only do they do that, that it's vital that they do that yeah. because that company, you know, it knows who its customers are. 
yeah. right? It knows what its product is. It's got its own company culture, the people yeah. there. So if you come along and go, we want you to do this, you just, you basically are in danger of breaking all of that. Yeah. And if you're a company like Nestle and you buy other companies, you buy them because they do something you don't do. Yeah. Not always. I mean, sometimes you buy a company that does exactly what you do because it's a yeah. competitor and you want to get them off the marketplace or whatever. But I think... Um, what, you just want the personnel? Yeah, there's, there's, there's reasons. But I do think that if it's a brand... So like, let's say um, you're Starbucks and you buy a chain of coffee shops and just rebrand them as Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You thought the... For example, you thought the retail spaces were great. They'd already established the business for you. You just come in. And I see that happening in coffee right now in the UK. There's a few companies buying up sort of struggling cafes and stuff. But anyway, if it's a brand, if you believe in that brand, you want to protect it. Mm -hmm. So why did they buy Blue Bottle? Because it's got an amazing brand. Uh, And it does some... I mean, there's other arguments, which is... um, There's this other company called JAB Holdings, which have come out of nowhere and are one of the biggest coffee companies in the world now. They bought Intelligentsia, uh, Pete's Coffee, who then owned Stumptown in the US. Oh, okay. They bought company, coffee companies in Scandinavia. So there's some chat that Nestle bought Blue Bottle to help broaden its portfolio. Right. And you know, it, needs to, it needs to start. I mean, that's the big chat right now in, in the specialty sector is specialty coffee is getting big. Mm-hmm. But, and, and even though specialty, specialty coffee itself can never be mass market because you just don't grow enough of it, the concept of boutique or specialty coffee has arguably tipped into the mainstream. So like this is the chat about the McDonald's advert, right? Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this idea that if the biggest food company in the UK wants to do a whole ad campaign around the idea of specialty coffee, that means they think that the general public mm. even though they're taking the piss out of it yeah. they think that um, well, they think they'll get the joke which, which implies that they know what is going on what, what the references are exactly yeah. so if you come back to Blue Bottle uh, some people said that to me when, when within our you know sort of network and people I was chatting to in coffee they were like oh you know so you're going to see Nespresso um, Blue Bottle captures now but I think that Nestle will know that Blue Bottle isn't a capsule company mm-hmm and that it's a cafe, specialty cafe company in the US. It's big in, obviously they've got their cold brew, which is huge in the US. And cold brew as a trend just seems to be, have really taken off over there. Yeah. But I think if I was Nestle and if I was Blue Bottle, I'd be really cautious about putting Blue Bottle coffee into a capsule. Mm-hmm. But also like the people at Nespresso, you know, they're focusing on their product. They don't almost want someone to come along and go, oh, we're going to stick someone else's coffee yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's all, the, all these things happening, but the capital market's hard to predict. Uh, yeah, they've got their new system and, you know, again, it's, we don't know what the goal is, but I think the goal is that they would like to slowly move people to the new system. But then there's so many people using the other system now that I think that's going to just continue to be a market of its own. It's, I think the UK is a bit different. Like in the US, you've, you know, that ambition to grow a company. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a great idea, you should grow it. Yeah. Especially golf in the US is a, in the UK, sorry, I, I feel like is a little bit more reticent to do that. I personally, I quite like the idea that you grow something and do really interesting things with that growth. Because that's the other thing, you know, you're limited to what you can do if you stay small. But then let's say you sell it or you whatever, and then those people tend to go off and start something new. So I think one of the best store examples of that in the, in the US in coffee was a guy called George Howe, who's sort of seen as the grandfather of specialty coffee, right? No offense, George. I mean, you know, I mean, you're not young, but George is amazing. 
and old. George is amazing. Amazingly old. <laughs> no, but when I met him, for, for someone who you know, has been around in coffee for a long time, he's just got this unbridled enthusiasm and sort of there is a youth to his curiosity to keep improving and exploring yeah. coffee. Right. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> keep going. Just keep, keep, just keep doing it. <laughs> so, George's story, um, back in the 70s, he had a, a coffee chain, which I believe was called Coffee Connection, which sold to Starbucks. And whether this is a myth or not, but he invented the, the frappe. Right. Or the frappuccino, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And I think he sold and it was successful and part of the deal was he couldn't open coffee shops, right? For like okay. 10 years or, or some amazing amount of time. So he went away, teamed up with a group of other people and the UN and developed the Cup of Excellence program, which has had a huge impact on the coffee industry. He now has a coffee roastery again called George Howe Coffee Roastery. And he's doing amazing things. Like he's, yeah. he was one of the pioneers of freezing green coffee right. to, so that we could actually begin to have great harvests for much longer. And he's been changing a lot of people's minds about everyone, you know, was like, okay, you need fresh harvest coffee, you use it in six months, and then it goes mm-hmm. past its best. And you know, quite a few people are challenging that now, going, oh, well, actually, we've frozen this since 2013, and it tastes better than this year's harvest, now that we've defrosted it and roasted it. But I guess my point is that if you are that kind of, like, inquisitive, creative type, it makes sense for you to do something for a certain amount of time, explore it all, and then move on to the next thing. And that sort of grow and sell, that's the positive side of that. Mm-hmm. But we were, we were chatting about Kickstarter before, and um, you're a serial Kickstarter-er? No, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cynical arsehole who likes to laugh at people's stupid, <laughs> stupid ideas that are on Kickstarter. Well, I find it so yeah. entertaining. <laughs> you were hoping ideas. we'd fail. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I have, I have backed a few things, but I'm very selective. But, um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I've looked in. It's very interesting how many things fail and like people don't get them product all their money. What I was more shocked by wasn't what failed, but what succeeds. Right. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see this one called the Thinking Egg. <laughs> no, I didn't see the Thinking Egg. Oh man. Tell me about the Thinking Egg. It's nothing more <laughs> than an egg made out of various things so you get different tiers but like a wooden like a little wooden okay. but it's been like ergonomically designed oh like, do, you, do you hold it in your hand to help you think oh wow just like hold it you probably can pop it in your pocket you can roll it around in your desk you just look at like <laughs> it raised I swear I swear I probably missed it it raised millions like and you could get like a brass one but a lot of those kind of mindfulness products have raised a lot on there like yeah um, the fidgety things yeah you can get. yeah I guess with music is that, so you were saying earlier today to me that uh, there's no real sort of fixed timeline for like when to sort of put work out, but you've been looking to do an album once yeah. a year, once every two years. Well, yeah, I mean, I've only done two albums so far and a bunch of EPs. Is it still albums? Is that still the, the core of the industry or are um, EPs more? I think, yeah, the, the, the album still lives. It is diet. It's diet. It's tricky because when you ever say like it, like it's hard to really quantify like what is it, what is the industry? Because you have, I think, what a lot of the people are talking about when they talk about the industry and how it's moving. It's, it's quite a small, quite a small part of it. Well, they talk about their part. They're talking about their, but they're talking about like, I feel like they're talking about the giant acts and the kind of 
just like the t- chart-topping people. Okay. Which is actually the top of the pyramid. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's sort of those rules apply kind of less and less to as you move down. I will always respect the album. I always, well, I don't know if I'll always, but I feel like the album will always mean something to me because that's just sort of what you were brought up on or what you, who, who you idolise. And Do you think about your songs as part of an album more than you do? Yes. I mean, it's tricky at the moment because I feel very out of album. Because I'm, well, I'm, well, I'm writing now, but ironically, like, I haven't really released... I think the only time that I actually really think about the album is when it's being recorded and kind of, mm-hmm. it's almost like the first and last time that it really exists, which is ironic because it's kind of like, here it is, boom, and you, and you kind of choose all the running order and you like think about it and the artwork that really represents it and the title that represents like this bloody work, it's like, boom, oh, I was so proud, I've done it, here we go, boom, and then everyone just rips it apart and goes, oh, I'll take that bit, I'll take that bit, I'll take that bit, I'll play this, like, yeah. you know rip it onto my computer throw the CD away or whatever like don't do it anymore but like yeah. you know the only thing stopping that from happening entirely is because people listen to vinyl records I suppose and so sure. that's kind of it's completely contained like you can't yeah. you can't do anything with that you can't yeah. even skip songs easily so it's weird so on the one hand you've got everyone listening to streaming services and playlists and picking and choosing where they want and then the other hand you've got resurgence in people listening yeah yeah. for me I guess I feel as a listener I kind of I would assume that to listen to the album from beginning to end would be how you'd want it to be listened to yes I think so I mean but it's like uh, (laughs) never these days you just you just just want people to listen (laughs) (laughs) I don't care how you listen to it back to front in an ideal world yeah everyone would buy it and listen to it all the way through then listen to it again all the way through. Then run down the street naked, shouting about how good it. Don't have to be naked, but that's just my thing. But like how good it is to everyone they meet on the street. Sure. But not going to get barely any of that. You should, if they will even be vaguely interested, if they click your link that you posted on so Instagram, that's, that's, like that's like yes. And I guess with social, with social media and the internet, you, everything's more individual. You know, a bit like yeah. posting an Instagram. You think about that post at that moment in time. Yeah. And I guess online, your songs, you'll see the views for one song and you think about that song. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the blessing curse of Spotify is that I've got an app, an app and I can see like the back end and exactly how many people are listening at any yeah. one time. And how often do you find yourself on that? Every day, the first thing I look at when I wake up. Is it? Yeah, like it's so addictive. And does it, does it, how does it, does this split it up for you to countries and how, what? Yeah, com- countries, cities. It could be more helpful, but yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, and then like, we just have this one number, mainly just looking at this one number, which is the monthly listeners, which, and it's all fairly like, it doesn't matter, I don't know, but whenever there's a, metri- a new metric added, like everyone just gets excited about it and go, oh yeah, this is the golden number that you need. And like, sure, sure. basically you need to be on a million listeners a month. Like, yeah. that's a good, that's a good business model. Like, just generating, that's generating like, Decent income. Okay. But the problem with Spotify is that it, would you, it's hard to get there. And is it that steady? Like, is it? It just it sort of fluctuates. Yeah. So like, there'll be things. So I'm I kind of always hover around that million, which is yeah. great. But never very much higher. I'd love to like bump into like one and a half. That would be nice and comfortable. 
But now, but like it will dwindle down to like it. at the moment it's dwindling to like to the eight hundred. Okay, and it's hard not to live in the moment, right? It's the same with us if we're you know selling coffee and you're like, oh, you know, disaster today. But it's just yeah. one day. But you get caught up in that day. Yeah. But then the next day, you just added to you get added to a bunch of Spotify playlists for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and then it's like pops you up again. And, but they're stupid. But then it's stupid because they're passive listeners. They're not real. And Spotify tries to differentiate like a listener from a fan and like they'll have these algorithms that say oh, this person's listened to it X amount so that means they're a fan yeah. versus just somebody who has just come across their path because it's on a playlist that they happen to have on yeah. they probably walked into the next room when it, when your song came on <laughs> do you know what I mean but, they'll, but, but what's it'll generate as a listener but it will, it will generate money it's, it's a pittance but if you are getting on all these playlists it, like, yeah. it adds up doesn't it so although it's good because for for an artist in my position who I did the traditional thing, I signed a big to a big label, had like buzz and traditional like radio one play and stuff, and it kind of put me on this bit this plateau where I can get like the, to the million listeners a month. Do you see that? Is that the main channel? Is that the main? Well, that's what's become. This seems to be very industry focused, like on on Spotify, just because. That's what you and other artists talk about. If you were going to have a chat with say <sighs> other people in the industry. It would be like, how's the Spotify going? I do, yeah, yeah. Well, it depends. It depends. I mean, I have one. I have one specific friend who, who I met on tour, and we are kind of in a similar place in our careers, and like similar music, and we're like are playing Spotify top trumps over like text. Like, <laughs> I've just beaten you on this. It's, it's mostly jovial, um, but, but every now and then it gets personal. I text my manager I need to get another play that Ben's beating me but that was something I was going to ask you actually was um, so so coffee for example is pretty it's a pretty social specialty coffee especially there's a big community yeah we go to these shows around the world we have these competitions Uh, obviously online there's lots of chat and sharing and stuff (laughs) as an artist as a musician is, is that do you feel particularly connected with the rest of the music world or do you uh not really I think I don't know. I think it might. It might just be me because I know that so, it just depends. Because it depends what kind of artist you are. What what kind of just if you're a nice person as well <laughs> helps. You've been like, you've been ostracised. Um, but I, I see sort of on Instagram via like artists, other artists hanging out, and you know there are some. There's never. There's not that kind of thing where we all go to like conferences and yeah. talk about that. But it's a small world, and you will see people you'll be at festivals and you'll know people and and but you will there is a there is still a kind of competitiveness underneath it mm-hmm. like, like and it's not nice because it's not really relevant like there's enough people listening to music yeah all of us. like we don't need to be annoyed at that. yeah but i think it's more just it's not yeah. less, it's more like a when you see someone else's career do really well and you're like back here and you're like, you know i i've come up with lots of people at the same, me and Ed Sheeran had the same manager at one point a few years, like well, many years ago, and like people like George Ezra and James Bay all played at the same sort of level and the same like gigs together and things. And you're like, see you guys, yeah, you you go on ahead. I'm just gonna hang back here for a bit longer. I'll meet you up there in a few. In a few this years. is a conscious choice. I've decided to. Uh... And it's all good and like all powerful to them, but and it's and it's time and it's place and it's whatever. Um, and on my bad days, I can feel really, really down, down and bitter. And but I, I know that I haven't 
and I'm, I'm not by inference I'm implying that they have but I know that I haven't compromised really much on, in what I do and I think and, and I'm not really trying to be a big star either I'm mm. not it's not really it's not really doesn't really gel with me the one when I actually put myself there and think do I really want to be like world famous and kind of playing big shows where I don't really get to engage in the audience because there's too many of them and I mean sure give me that opportunity <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's tricky because that's what I mean like do I really mean that or not you know like yeah. I think I, I think I do I think I've thought about it a lot and I think I would like well where I would whereas I'd like to be maybe a little bit more sort of comfortable as it were well the comfortable thing is just just so you're not anxious about yeah. so that bit where you're you know isn't it it's that there's a tipping point where you are not checking the plays as much or whatever and you're yeah, 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 yeah. it's like and because like you said to me on uh, when I was picking you up in the as your chauffeur from the mm. station <laughs> before this this idea that you know you're like your listeners and for me it's my customers right you want to stay connected with them yeah they're part of the feedback loop yeah and they're they're part of the life cycle really like yeah. without them you're not doing what you're doing you don't want to lose them you know you want yeah. to, and you want to keep engaging with new people and and just going back to your point about that kind of growth and moving on you know selling and moving on to new things and stuff like in music i feel like at least in mainstream in the mainstream sort of pop world there is a kind of obsession with getting to that next level the whole time and like because i suppose maybe it's based on a lot of people that we're working for you are working on percentage so as if you're the people around you yeah, as well managers and agents yeah. and lawyers and all these stuff i was like you need to make more, more, more money so that yeah. I make more money. Not like let's all just yeah. sit in this nice place. So, in the, in the constant strive to like get bigger and bigger, the actual fans that you've made often the last people you can think of because it's like okay, you've got like a thousand fans, great, but mm-hmm. we need to get to five thousand. It doesn't matter if we like tread a lot, trod all over the one thousand that kind yeah. of like this part of your sound. Well, I think about we need to get is... to the five thousand, which means go and write a tune with Katy Perry or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. But I think that that's a really interesting question that everybody has in terms of like measuring success. Yeah. If you want to give it the corporate term, like what's the success metric? Yeah. But the thing is Successtric. <laughs> um no but that the what is success is really I think it's really interesting because it's changing all the time, it's contextual, right? So once you've achieved something, yeah, you're like, what's the next thing to achieve? But also like wherever you put that marker in the ground dictates how you feel about whether you've succeeded or failed. Yeah. So like as a business owner, if I've got myself, um, managed to get rent in a little shop and it's just me and my wife or a member of staff, like when we started, like it was a success just to be open after two years, right? And then if you, uh, have some investors and stuff who have sold a certain growth plan or whatever, yeah. suddenly you could, the fact that you've got out there and people love your brand uh, and what you're doing and what you stand for and your products and everything, but you haven't hit that target that was made up out of, I don't yeah, know, on a, yeah. on a spreadsheet or whatever, suddenly it's like everyone's failed. Yeah. And it's like, well, we haven't failed. We created this thing and people love it. Yeah. So like, at what point, yeah, and I mean, again, like, um, you're talking about things out of your control, going back to musicians who were a product of their environment. It's the yeah. same with success, right? Like, yeah. I suppose you keep kind of moving up as well. Like, I mean, I never thought I would make it... Well, you know, just making a career out of writing songs. Yeah. And like, that was crazy. And I, and then, yeah, you know, the other thing that when I, when I do have 
down days of being sort of bitter about where I I sort of stopped, where my career sort of stopped, as it were, for now. It's just to think about how many musicians look up to my career. Yeah, well, that's that's the relative thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the... But, like, every... All along, I guess it was like, oh, yeah, sign, you know, maybe you sign a recording deal, like, pay pay, me paying the rent with music, you know. And you, you get to those stages and you go, cool, I got to that and got to that next one. Yeah. I'm just not sure what my next one is. Well, what's interesting about it is the success side of it for me, and I think probably, I assume for you as well, like even though you sit and have the conversation about whether you feel like it's successful or not, that's not actually the day to day. Yeah. So you sit down and reassess how you feel about the level of success, but that's not actually what's driving what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? You're creating the, you're in, you know, you're like, you, you basically want to realize something, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a song or, or for me, it's like a, an idea of coffee company or whatever and of course it needs to be successful for you to keep doing it but I guess what I'm getting at is I guess in I see a lot in the coffee world right now is the success saying okay this is what success looks like mm-hmm. come up with an idea to get the success yeah but so it's like um, you know, we need to find something to basically be commercially profitable yeah. whereas in both I would say our cases or, or, or lots of like most successful businesses, ironically, don't come from that place. Mm-hmm. They come from a really authentic place for doing something yeah. for A, the love of it, or uh, to solve a problem, or um, to explore an idea. Do you know what I mean? Like the- I guess that's where it gets, I mean, there, there's, there, is, there are comparisons for sure. But I mean, I think when, when it comes to making art, if you will, it's tricky because you do, it usually does come from a very pure place. And then you bring money into it, and then it gets yeah. complicated. Yeah, and then sure. it affects the work, and then it like that's where I feel like I've got not to get too sort of let's let's have a theory session for me, but <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I I've lost sight yeah. of the initial thing. Yeah, because it's my job, and I'm yeah. stressed about you know. So it's 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 trying to find. Yeah. That and I think that's part of part of why this album I'm writing is taking so bloody long because it's just not it's it's just more of a struggle it seems to be to get to find that thing that yeah, I want yeah. to write about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cheery <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no, but that's interesting, right? Because the, the the difficult stuff is is interesting as well as the yeah the sort of like. I'm all about the different stuff. <laughs> all about it. Thank you very much for. Thanks for having me. 1.5 million views. You, you can you can do it. 1.5 million listeners. I'm sure. I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once I get there, my life still doesn't feel complete. That's um, yeah. <laughs> do another podcast then. Yeah, I'll send you a message. <laughs> yeah. Normally, we wrap these up with what we've learned from the podcast. Well, we covered a lot of stuff. So here's one more cup of coffee performed especially for us by Luke Satal Singh. Your breath is sweet, your eyes are like two jewels in the sky. Your back is straight, your hair is smooth. On the pillow where you lie But I don't sense affection No, 
gratitude, oh love Your loyalty is not to me But to the stars above One more cup of coffee for the road One more cup of coffee before I go To the valley below Oh, your daddy, he's an outlaw, a wanderer by trade. He teach you how to pick and choose and how to throw the blade. He oversees his kingdom so no stranger doesn't choose. His voice, it trembles as he calls out for another plate of food. Oh, one more cup of coffee for the road One more cup of coffee before I go home And to the valley below Your sister sees the future like your mama and yourself You've never learned to read or write There's no books upon the shelf And your pleasure knows no limits Your voice is like a meadow lark But your heart is like an ocean Mysterious and dark one more cup of coffee for the road One more cup of coffee for I go To the valley One more cup of coffee for the road One more cup of coffee for I go To the valley below You can download this episode as well as a link to Luke's cover at coffeecuriouspodcast.com Join me next time for more inspiring conversations inspired by coffee.